This morning, I want us to continue in our, our series in um, Ephesians in chapter 3. And let me ask you uh, about the walls in your life. The walls that you have erected in your own life. Sometimes they've been there so long until they become invisible and we don't recognize them, we don't acknowledge them. But, but what are the walls that you have put up in your life? Maybe walls of, of, of some past experience you've, you've put up to protect yourself. Fear. Walls we have all put up some walls in our life. And, and walls exist all around us, both visible and invisible. Some of them we've built, some of them we fund. We build walls to protect us or keep us safe. And we elect people who promise to build walls. And these walls are erected strategically to separate people by race or religion or class or culture and even sex. And what's interesting is that those who erect these walls protect them and maintain them and those who erect these walls and protect them and maintain them will find that they are enemies of the gospel that brings together all God's people into one worshiping community. And that's God's plan. That's God's intention. That's God's purpose. And in our text for Paul, there are two kinds of of people, Jews and Gentiles, or, or to put it another way, outsiders and insiders. And Paul tells us this morning that the Prince of Peace is establishing peace where division and hostility once ruled unchallenged. It's interesting, I want you to know, that in Jerusalem, there was a stone wall which separated Jewish from non-Jewish worshipers. And, 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 and Paul is coming to make the announcement that, that Jesus has torn down the wall. He's saying, God wants a one people of God. That's it's just a simple point that I want you to write down or remember, memorize is that God wants, God desires, God's purpose, God's plan. Why Jesus came is because God wants a one people of God. So this passage Verses 1 through 13 really break down in kind of two simple headings Paul gives us. And there's so much in this passage that I can't deal with it in this time and space. So I just want to touch on some things that are significant that we can apply. And those two headings are the revelation and the mission. 
That's it. Paul starts talking about in verses one through six, he deals with the revelation. Uh, And then in verses seven through 13, he talks about the mission. For let's look at the revelation. This is this is this is this is what led to to the Jewish opposition to Paul. Because notice in verse one, Paul says, I am a prisoner of Christ. Now, you know, if reading this text, you study, Paul is in on house arrest in Rome. But he doesn't say that he is a a prisoner of Rome. No, Paul says, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I am he where I am, not by incident or accident, but I am here. I may be in a Roman prison on house arrest, but I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I'm a a prisoner of Christ. I'm here because Christ has strategically placed me in the position that I am in, even in a Roman prison. No one would say that when they go downtown to go to jail, I'm in here because of Christ. But when you understand the sovereignty of God, It doesn't matter where you are today. You are there because God in Jesus Christ has strategically positioned you in that place at that time. Paul says, I'm a prisoner of Christ. That's why I'm here. I know the Romans think they got me, but God has placed me here. I'm here on purpose. And then he says, I'm here. I'm here. I want you to know because I've, been, I've got this revelation. Uh, 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 it, it, it was his bold, uncompromising espousal of the Gentile cause. I'm here because God has revealed to me the mystery. Paul not only preached his vision of this new and undivided humanity, he not only wrote, writes about it, but he was at this moment suffering for the very truths that he was proclaiming. It's easy to proclaim the truth when you got space and wiggle room and you're where you want to be. We're bold and brazen about Jesus Christ. But think about all our brothers and sisters in places unlike the place where we live, where we may be experiencing some persecution and tribulation, but but the severity that they're facing is there's no compromise. And yet they're there for expounding and proclaiming the truth of the gospel. Paul says, I've got this revelation. He calls it, he he, he says it's this mystery. We must realize that the English and Greek words for mystery do not have the same meaning. In English, a mystery is something dark and uh, obscure. You know, it's a secret. It's puzzling. What is mysterious is inexplicable, even incomprehensible. But, but the Greek word Paul uses here, the Greek word mysterion is different. It, 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 although it's still a secret, it's no longer closely guarded, but open. Paul says, I've got an open secret. 
The, 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 the original uh, Greek were referred to a truth into which someone had been initiated. It, it, it came to be used of secret teachings of a, a, a heathen mystery religion like the Gnostics of the first century. They, 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 their, their teachings were restricted and, and you had to have a special knowledge of revelation. Paul says, I have received a revelation about this open mystery that God has revealed to me this mystery about Jesus Christ. There, in Christianity, there, there are no esoteric mysteries reserved for the spiritual elite. It's just the reverse. The Christian mysteries are truths which, although beyond human discovery, have been revealed by God and so now belong openly to the whole church. And Paul says, I want you to know what this mystery is that was given to me and given to the prophets and the apostles. He says, it's the mystery that Jesus was always concerned for the Gentiles. That's, that's the mystery. The, 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 the mystery is, that he, 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 here it is, I love this, that God has planned from the beginning to have a church without walls. That's his plan. Remember, in the synagogue, the, 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 church, the, 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 the synagogue, the temple is segregated. The, the Jews sit in one place and the non-Jews sit in, in a separate place and they're divided by a wall. And Paul says God's plan is to have a church without walls. It's really the, the, the fulfillment. E Ephesians 3 is really the fulfillment of Genesis chapter 12. Remember when God, you'll read, made this covenant promise with Abraham. He, in verse 3, he says, Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. And, and, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God is already working his plan. To tear down walls, to remove walls, because God wants a one people of God. That, that all the families of the earth would be blessed through Abraham's, Abraham's posterity. That, 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 that the, the, the covenant fulfillment is that the Messiah would receive the nations as his inheritance. The, 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 the fulfillment is that Israel would be given as a light to the nations and that one day the nations, that's you and me, would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and even flow to it like a mighty river. And, and Jesus also spoke of the inclusion of the Gentiles and commissioned his followers to go and make them disciples. Because God wants a one people of God. This is, this is this revelation of this mystery Paul receives. Paul is interesting because out of all the people God would call, God calls Paul. Paul, whose mission is to tear down the people and destroy the people of the way. 
Paul, who is on his way to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, and, and, and while he's on his way there, God does something dramatic and calls this, this, this segregationist to come stop fighting me come represent me Paul out of all the people a Pharisee a Puritist if 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 if, if he were if he were uh, uh, I, I thought about this if he were a part of uh, uh, the, 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 the Harry Potter series, he would be trying to destroy all the mudbloods. But look what God does. God uses this individual who's fighting against him. He calls him. By his grace, Paul says, three times in, this, in these verses, he says it's because of the gift of God's grace. He repeats it. He understands how God does it. He does it not because of Paul, but in spite of Paul's self. By God's grace, God uses Paul to go and, 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 and proclaim the gospel that God has, has a plan to, to not just just uh, 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 put a people uh, uh, that were divided uh, in the same room. No, that, 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 that's, not, that's, that's not deep enough. What, 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 this, what this mystery is that, that, that God is going to do something radical, radical and God is going to do something, uh, how can I put this? He's going to do something that, that, that is not just radical. What's the word I could use? Uh, scandalous. Because the Jewish people knew that God would include Gentiles into his covenant promise to Abraham. And they didn't have a problem with that. They can come, they can be a part of the promise. But, but, but it's more than that. Not only will they become part of the promise, but what the text says, they will be fellow heirs. Members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. It, it, it wasn't that God was just uh, tearing down the walls. No, no, no. It, it, you know, because can I tell you something? They were okay with separate but equal. But God is doing more than that. What Paul is declaring is that Gentile and Jewish Christians together are now fellow heirs of the same blessing, fellow members of the same body, and fellow partakers of the same promise. That means that the two are becoming one people. That's the mystery of Christ. It's, it's, it's the complete union of Gentile and Jews with each other through the union of both with Christ. They are becoming one. This is, it, it, last week, if there was double uh, 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 alienation, now this is double union with Christ and with each other, which was the substance of the mystery. God doesn't just want us to worship together. God wants us to be one, and God has made us one people.
But what neither the Old Testament nor Jesus revealed was the radical nature, the scandalous nature of God's plan. Which was that the, the, the theocracy, the Jewish nation under God's rule would be terminated and replaced by a new international community. That's what the church is. God's new international community. The church, that is, the church would be the body of Christ organically united to him and that Jews and Gentiles would be incorporated into Christ and his church on equal terms without distinction. That's the mystery. That's the mystery. No, 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 no separate but equal, but, 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 but equal on every term without distinction. They are one. We are one. That's the revelation that Paul gets. And that's the revelation that God has gifted us with the same revelation by his spirit and has given us the stewardship of the great commission. This revelation, this mystery in Christ that God has, has, has called you and I to make disciples of all nations. That Greek word ethnos, nations, it's, it's, it's everyone. Notice now, it's, it's the great commission, not the great option, not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. God is the missionary God who has come down in Jesus Christ on the mission to restore and reconcile. And now, instead of giving you your own separate mission, this missionary God invites you and me, people like you and me, to join him on his mission. So you don't pray, Lord, bless what I'm doing. You pray, Lord, open my eyes so that, so that I can see where you're moving and I can get to that place as soon as I can. That's mission. So many times we, we, we waste precious resources, money, and time begging God, pleading with God to shine on, smile on, rain on, bless what we're doing. And God does not bless it because it's not his mission. That means whatever your career is, Whatever your dreams and ambitions are, whatever your goals and aspirations are, if they don't line up with God's mission and plan, stop being upset because God is not fulfilling your dream. Because his, your dream may not be his dream. He invites us. He calls us. 
You man or woman of God, you are called to follow Jesus Christ in discipleship. If you're working, if you're retired, or as I said before, if you're dreaming of retirement, God has invited you and I to join him in mission, whether you work outside of the home or inside of the home raising your family, whatever it is, that's where God has stationed you and he has called you and I to to declare and proclaim the revelation that God has planned to make one people. And he does it through the proclamation of the gospel. That God is Jesus Christ's only way to him. He's not a way, he is the way. I think it was Tenney that said Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. And without the life, there is no living. Jesus Christ is not a way to God. He is the only way to God. Only way, exclusive way. Paul says, that's the revelation. This gospel changes everything. It tears down walls. It tears them down. It removes them. And God has called you and I to get out of our comfort zone, to, to stop maintaining the walls that we have erected in our own lives, in our own thinking, in our own perspective, and, 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 and join him in his mission to make disciples. Now, when we read that passage in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 16 through 20, and we see go in English, we think the verb is go, go. But that's not it. In Greek, it's make disciples, make disciples. See, this is this. This, this is and David and I talk. We're, we're, we're in dialogue discussing our burdens and hearts. And I believe this is one of the greatest failures of the church in the, since the beginning of the church is the church has stopped making disciples. We have church membership, but one of the greatest regrets that I have as a pastor is that I did not do a good job of teaching people how to follow Jesus Christ and what it means to follow Jesus Christ. How that looks in your marriage, how that looks in the way you raise your children, how that looks in the way you handle money, how that looks in the way you deal with conflict. How do I follow Jesus Christ at work, at school? How, 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 how? Paul says, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. This is the, the revelation of the mystery that you and I have been given the stewardship of managing. Go make disciples because you are here this morning because someone told someone who told someone, who told you about Jesus Christ. That's why you're here. You're here because somebody told somebody about Jesus Christ who told you about Jesus Christ. That's why you're here. Some, most of us, now there may, be a, there may be a small swath who are here because it's Sunday and it's tradition and it's what I do on Sundays. 
You got all kinds of people in a crowd like this. But you are here. You remember that person? You remember that person who, 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 who was courageous enough to, to, to proclaim the gospel to you? Do, do, you, do you remember them? Do, do, how many people in, of your siblings are, are not following Jesus Christ, but for some reason you're following Jesus Christ? He chose you. It's because someone shared the revelation of the mystery of Christ with you. And now you have a responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ. Not to keep it to yourself. It's, it's too good to keep to yourself. I mean, if it's really good to you now. Now, if it ain't, you keep it to yourself. But, but when, when the gospel is really, when the gospel has really transformed you and it really affects you on a daily basis, you can't keep it to yourself. You, you, you've got to tell somebody, God has been faithful to me in my unfaithfulness. God has been kind to me when I've been stingy and, 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 and tight, when, when, when I've been pinching pennies. When, 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 when God has been generous to me. When I, I've got to tell somebody to hold on in the midst of their struggle because God did that for me. It's the revelation he see, receives. But then he says, now that I've got the revelation, I, I've got a mission. Jesus came, he says, to save all kinds of people. And then according to the working of God's power, he says, I'm not doing this in my own strength and in my own power. He says, no, Paul says, I can't do it in my own power, strength, might, and wisdom. Because when God calls you, he empowers you for the call. Whether, whether it's parenting or grandparenting or volunteering, God provides you with the wisdom you need. I have a daughter, I have two adult sons, 27 and 23, and I have a daughter, Morgan, who is eight. My sons were so laid back and easy and low maintenance and they're just really just really calm fellows laid back. It didn't require a lot for them. I mean we would get up to go to the barber shop early on Saturday mornings. I went every week because I have every week hair but they had better hair so they, they went every other week. And so they, I, we would go uh, I would wake them up about 6 in the morning because we wanted to get there early because everybody goes to the barber shop on Saturdays and so they didn't have any trouble getting up. They wanted to get up that early, you know, and so we would head to the barber shop. And then when I'm close to 40, uh, uh, Kira and I have been married about four years, and we have a girl. I wanted a girl. I prayed for a girl. And I believe I prayed, Lord, I don't know all that I'm asking for, but I want a girl, and I got one. Morgan Grace just turned eight last Sunday. She is eight years old, and she is completely different from my sons, Darian and Ryan. Night and day. Morgan wakes up on 10. I'm, I'm, I'm middle 40s now. I'm in pretty good, decent health. I try to run at least twice a week, two and a half miles, you know, to keep myself sharp. And, 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 but but uh, uh, I, I can't believe.
Steve that I have the energy and stamina to hang with Morgan. But she's my ministry. As a parent, my, I'm in the, mini, the ministry of parenting her. And God has given me the wisdom and the strength that I need to parent her. Because when God invites you on the mission, Paul says, I'm not here in my own power. God has called me. God has empowered me. And you don't have to rely on your own strength. Because you cannot do God's work in the flesh. Then Paul talks about the unsearchable riches. I I, I want us to look at that. He says, we are proclaiming the unsearchable riches of Christ. What are these unsearchable riches? First, the resurrection from the death of sin. We're going to be delivered. We've been delivered from the power of sin and from the penalty of sin. But because we still live in the world and in our flesh and carnal human nature, we've not been completely delivered from the presence of sin. But Paul says, but we're going to experience that, too. Then there's the victorious enthronement with Christ in the heavenlies. No, I, these are some big things. But you know what? When I read this and see people fighting over gold or silver or money or all kinds of natural things, and I read that we have all these unsearchable riches in Christ Jesus, like a victorious enthronement with Christ in the heavenlies, it starts putting things in perspective. But not only that, I'll experience reconciliation with God. Complete, full. I, I, I'm going to, you and I are going to experience incorporation with Jewish believers in a new society. The end of hostility and the beginning of peace. We, we, you and I will have complete access to the Father through Christ and by the Holy Spirit. I love this. That's what you have to look forward to. This is the mission that God is sending you and I on to proclaim. That we'll have membership of his kingdom and household. Where we've been excluded and left out and unwelcomed. But it won't be like that. We've got this mission to proclaim. This good news to announce that we are a part of something that God is doing called the church. We'll be a part and an integral part of his dwelling place among men. Paul said, and, 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 and these unsearchable, unsearchable, inexplicable riches, he says, they're just a foretaste. He says, they're just a preview of something to come. It's, it's like the trailer before the movie. Paul says, that's all, these, the, that's all I'm trying to explain to you. That, 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 that we've been sent out to proclaim the unsearchable riches. And then he says, to enlighten. He shifts here from the content of the message to the condition of those it is to be proclaimed to. And Paul is probably thinking about his experience on the Damascus Road when that bright light shined and took his uh, sight for those three days and, 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 and God opened up his eyes. 
brought him out of the darkness of ignorance. And that's what Paul says, that, that we've been sent to enlighten. Do you remember how you were before Christ found you? Before Christ called you? So many times we're so busy and caught up with the routines of life and responsibility, we don't spend time thinking about what God has done for us. And one of those things is open our eyes so we can see. See things as they really are. See things as he sees them. Not from a political viewpoint or a cultural viewpoint or a gender viewpoint or, or, or a racial viewpoint, but from a biblical viewpoint. Let me show you what it really looks like. Because we'll be thinking that we're a little better off than we really are. You know, I may be bad, but I'm not as bad as them or her or him. No, what, 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 what God does it, through the proclamation of the gospel, Paul says this mission that we're on, he says we've been called to enlighten. We need to deal with the condition that, 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 that there are those in darkness and ignorance who need to hear the proclamation of the gospel that God has called a men and women and children and he's made Jews and Gentiles one people. A church without walls. That's some, that's some kind of church, I tell you. That's some kind of church without, without, without their, their in, in, in the church without walls, there's no majority or minority. There's neither, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There, 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 there's neither bond nor free. There's, there's neither female nor male. God has one people. God has called you and I to be ministers of reconciliation. Not, not just to appreciate sermons about it or read about it, but God has called and saved you and me not just to sit from the bench and cheer, but to get out in the field and proclaim the mystery that God is making one people. We desperately need to hear that now where we are and what we're dealing with, we desperately need to hear that God has a plan greater than the one. What, 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 I'm done, but I love this. I'm done. Paul, Paul says, what, 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 the issue that we're facing, we don't need more education. Because people always think, we need more education. We need more education. Paul said, no, that ain't it. And some folks say we need to get more money in the streets and we need to get people better jobs. And if people were more educated and had better jobs and were making better money, it would be better. That ain't the answer. We live in a broken world that will never fix it. We've been Americans for 240 something years and we've been doing the same thing that won't fix it. The only thing that will fix it is the gospel. That's the only thing. And the good news about Jesus Christ 
that God wants a one people of God and it's the gospel that does it and you and I have received this revelation and he sent us on ministry and in mission and invited us to do it. Jesus will gather all kinds of people when he comes in glory. And this universal access of all Christian people to God through Jesus Christ is what the 6th century reformers termed the priesthood of all believers. It's a foundation privilege of all who are in Christ. In fact, of the church, the universal Jew-Gentile community of which Paul has just been writing. That's what God is doing. That's why you're following Jesus Christ. That's why he's invited you to join him in ministry. Because God wants a one people of God. Imagine if you start talking like that in your book club once you start back again. Or what if you just take somebody, you know what, with all that's going on, God wants a one people of God. That's what God wants. That's what he's after. He didn't just save us to hang us on the tree like ornaments. No, God saved us. He's revealed his mystery to us, and he's invited us to join him in ministry. Let's pray.